Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. Let me extend my congratulations to all of you who braved the horrible weather outside. Uh, We again considered canceling services this morning because of all the precipitation, but we decided not to, and so thank you for honoring us and especially honoring the Lord with your presence today. We are here to worship God because God is the maker of all things, including us. And so let us be called together in worship as we read responsively from the 145th Psalm. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. Friends, let us worship God. Friends, Christ did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. And with that in mind, we can come to God in confession with the assurance of being received in forgiveness and in love. Let's come to God in confession together. Almighty God, in Jesus Christ, you called us to be a servant people. 
but we do not do what you command. We are often silent when we should speak and useless when we could be useful. We are lazy servants, timid and heartless, who turn neighbors away from your love. Have mercy on us, O God, and though we do not deserve your care, forgive us and free us from sin. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear us, O God, as we lift up our personal prayers of confession to you in these moments of silence. Amen. There are no other words that you need to hear except these. Forgive them, Father, for they do not understand what they are doing. Is there any more that we need to know? I declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ, friends, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. May the peace of Christ be with you. Friends, as we prepare ourselves to greet one another, we would invite our children, fifth grade and under, to meet their Sunday school leaders in the back for Sunday school, and our youth group is already in process. So friends, let's greet one another with the good morning, God bless, and the peace of Christ. Friends, listen up as I share a few items of events and activities and ministry opportunities coming up so that you're sure not to miss out on something that the Lord is calling you to be involved with. Sunday, October 8th at 11.45, we'll have a new member seminar. That's for folks who are interested in joining, perhaps thinking about joining, or simply learning more about this congregation and the broader Presbyterian Church. If you'd like to participate in that seminar, we'll serve you lunch, and you can give uh, Jan Cook a call or drop her an email this week and let her know that you plan to come. The Sunday prior, the first Sunday of October, the first, we'll be having our traditional fall 
fall blood drive. So you can go online to sign up for that. We will have the blood mobile here parked down in the south parking lot. And you can give blood either before or after worship, but not during worship, okay? Unless you want to be watching. I guess you could be watching on your phone, right, and giving blood at the same time. Okay, so that could work too. Our Stephen ministers are sponsoring a special seminar called Healing Psychological Trauma. That'll be on the 27th of September. If you'd like to learn more about that kind of healing, perhaps so that you can stand by someone that you love who's hurting, or maybe learn some more things for yourself, uh, we'd encourage you to be part of that experience. This coming Saturday will be our traditional fourth Saturday branch barbecue, the 23rd. It's an opportunity for you to go down to the Mission Bay area to physically serve a meal to folks who are living uh, without a home. If you're not able to go, but you are able to bake cookies or other goodies like that, just bring them to the church this week and we'll take them down and deliver them. We also take clothing and other items that can be useful uh, to folks who do not have homes. Our Homeless Veterans Initiative continues. We started that a couple of weeks ago. This is a special effort by many North County congregations as well as some government agencies and it's working very well uh, to take uh, veterans who are without homes and put them into their own uh, their own apartment we're providing all kinds of uh, household items for them as well you can stop off at the table out on the patio uh, this uh, afternoon after worship presuming that it's not pouring rain out there and, uh, and learn more about that ministry. We are, as all of you know now, getting ready to place new Bibles and new hymnals into our pew racks. And let me give you a little more detail about that. Uh, the first Sunday of October, we will have these hymnals out in the pews. They're a new version of the hymnals. There are about 800 songs in here, and we will not sing all of them probably ever in our lifetime, but there's some beautiful poetry in them. Some of you have been asking how it is that we are going to allow you to honor someone that you love uh, with your gift, and there will be a book plate on the inside cover of each one of these books, uh, honoring or memorializing whoever you would like to, to memorialize. Some of you also were here uh, 30 years ago when we did this, and uh, the, the books, uh, the hymn books and the Bibles that you gave in honor of someone, uh, we still have, and so we're going to arrange them alphabetically is what I understand. Is that correct? Yes. And uh, we'll have them out for a couple of Sundays. If you'd like to look for the book that you gave, you can do that. And all we need is somebody who knows the alphabet now. So uh, we've checked with the choir and they suggested we ask the whole congregation. And so we'll, we'll see how that works out. Uh, the same will be true of the Bibles. These are the Bibles. Uh, these will be placed in uh, the uh, pews on the last Sunday in October on Reformation. Sunday. And in that way, uh, we'll enhance our worship and we'll also honor and memorialize some of those whom we love. I want to take just a moment to uh, extend a, a welcome uh, to not just one uh, friend, but, but several friends who are here today uh, with the Outreach Foundation. First of all, Mark Mueller. Mark and I met about 25 years ago when we both came on to the board of the Outreach Foundation. At that point, uh, Mark was pastor at First Presbyterian in Huntsville, Alabama, as I remember correctly, and Mark is now the executive director of the Outreach Foundation. I am privileged to be part of that board, and the board will be meeting 
meeting here tomorrow and Tuesday. 30 folks that come from around the nation uh, to undergird uh, the work that we conduct or the work that God is conducting and we simply come alongside. And is it, is it 47 different countries that we're involved with? 42 countries with 71 partners around the world. Uh, you are familiar with a lot of that work. These are the folks with whom I go to uh, Lebanon and Syria and Iraq. They're the folks that our teams go uh, into Africa with, and Mark is going to be telling you more about uh, the work of the Outreach Foundation as he preaches for us this morning. We also have somewhere here uh, the Reverend Dr. Tom Boone. Tom, where are you hiding Make yourself known. There you are. Tom's right there. Tom is our associate executive director. There are several other members of the board who are with us in worship. And uh, I'm tempted to ask the board members. if you, The spouses don't have to stand up. Uh, but Rick and Lisa, if you would stand up for just a second so folks can know who you are. Uh, as well as Toby Mueller. Mark's uh, wife is the Reverend Dr. Toby Mueller, who just retired uh, from the old historic Franklin Presbyterian Church just outside of Nashville. So take a few moments to visit with all of these folks following worship and then pray for the board meeting as we are doing some business in the next couple of days. Our business here, of course, is to worship God. One of the ways that we worship God is through presenting tithes and offerings as a symbol of presenting ourselves. And so now during this next musical piece, the ushers will come and will wait upon us as we bring our tithes and offerings to the Lord.
please be seated. As we come to a time of prayer, I would invite you to let go of all that's occupied your mind in the morning and all the plans that you have for the afternoon and just be present for a few moments. Let's take a deep breath and let's go to God in prayer. Creator God, you who inspire the sacred text that comforts our hearts, whose intention designs a sanctuary for the mind that is strong and safe. We lift these words with all those across the ages who have felt the seismic shift of earth and sea. God, you are our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear Though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. And God, we ask that you would rattle our well-being and shake us from complacency and galvanize us to run to the aid of those who are casualties of the primal violence erupting from the depths of the earth the violence that shakes us awake and bursts dams, the violence of howling storms that levels cities, and the horror of fires that decimate and cremate dreams and deliver an unholy finish to lives not fully lived and futures not fully realized. God, we would be your word of comfort, your holding arms, your deliverer of hope to those in such need. Your people, Lord, are crying out. We are a world desperate for respite from the violence made by our own hands, from the spewing hatred that poisons the wells of our kinship, from the indifference that leaves children begging for food and starving for love. So help us, Lord, to once more claim the liberation afforded through the one who holds the key to any chains that bind us and holds us back and keeps us down. In the name of the free one, Jesus Christ, shatter our resistance and melt the ice of judgment and ruin every excuse. Remind us, Lord, Write it on the fabric of our lives that your word is more than syllables and phrases. We are your words. Our lives speak your message. Our actions are the living gospel in real time. And God, the joy that fills our souls when one heart turns towards you, one light begins to shine brighter in the darkness of our times. And it's then that we can return to our psalm and lift up our faces towards the warmth of your kindness and declare that there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved. God, you will help when the morning dawns. The nations are in an uproar. The kingdoms totter. You utter your voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us and the God of Jacob is our refuge. 
These words, O oh God, we lift up in the name of the free one, the liberator, in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven 
after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them for 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The word of the Lord. Author and theologian and pastor Robert Morgan's summary of one portion of the text that was read to you today, Acts 1.8. That verse is the key that unlocks the entire book of Acts and is the gate to Christian history. That's quite a quote. As you know, the book of Acts is really a book about the beginnings of the early church. Just a little time reading any of its chapters, I think, reveals an exciting story of a group of believers guided by the Spirit that changed the world. To think that it started with 12 somewhat ordinary men and women almost defies explanation. I want to thank you for the opportunity to speak today. It's a joy to be with you. You have been a longtime partner of the Outreach Foundation, and I want to thank you for your support and your partnership. My name is Mark Mueller. I am the executive director of the Outreach Foundation based in Franklin, Tennessee, or if you want, Nashville, either will do. I want to thank you for the support that you've given for our work in Ukraine with Dr. Ivan Rusin, who was here. I want to thank you for your continued care of the church in Lebanon, in Syria, and Iraq, and the nearly 50 Presbyterian churches in those regions. And I want to thank you for the countless gifts and teams that you have sent abroad. Thank you. I also want to thank you for letting us borrow this man right there. Uh, Dr. Jack Baca has been board chair for four years. He is a friend to all a wise and compassionate man. And so we say, <laughs> thank you, Jack. You weren't here at the early service. He said amen to that in the early service. To oh, okay. Right. He wants a few more characteristics. Um, anyway, uh, I shudder to think of the Outreach Foundation without this guy. He's been absolutely fantastic. So here we go to the text and its message to us. 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The topics for consideration today in this text are immense, numerous. But the questions that have really intrigued me over these last few days for consideration are these. What were the characteristics of these early disciples such that they heard Jesus say these profound words before he ascended into heaven because the ascension starts in verse 9? Who were the disciples called to be? Who? And then what was Jesus asking them to do? Now, when you look at this group of early disciples and kind of describe some of their characteristics, you would, I think, label them, as I do, as rather odd. Just saying. Jesus, Peter is portrayed as an impetuous, always speaking his mind kind of guy. He's out there. I like these people. They're colorful. But if I'm running a session meeting they really do get become or are problematic to me. James was a fisherman, not an executive director like me, not a head of staff, not a CEO, not a government official with connections, a fisherman. John was nicknamed the son of thunder because of his boisterous nature. He was, he was always explosive in his temperament and volatile speech. Matthew was a tax collector, not liked by many people, a political traitor, a symbol of Roman occupation. He skimmed off the top and there wasn't anything anybody could do about it. Can you imagine, just for a moment, in our bulletins, if as we looked for elders and deacons, the leadership class for next year, we would design a bulletin insert reflective of this text? Well, I tried. I thought this, feeling God's call to ministry and a willingness to serve in this congregation in its, on its leadership team, do you have the characteristics? Are you outspoken, volatile, loud, offensive and somewhat shady in your character, then how about joining us for next year's team? <laughs> we wouldn't do it. We even laugh about it, don't we? But you know, Jesus did it. The original hearers of this text, really when you take a step back and look at it, present a powerful picture, I think, of how God works with all kinds of people, even those you'd least expect to accomplish God's purpose. These are people that, are, that God has entrusted with the message and the proclamation of the gospel. And I don't know how you feel about it, but it does provide me some comfort because in the early days of my ministry, frankly, I didn't think I had what it took to be a pastor. I said, Lord, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, you see, I didn't like to speak in public, terrified of it. Little do you know that, that I hold the record for the fastest reading of the first lesson 
in the Lutheran church, I read the Gospel of Mark, the very first chapter, without taking a breath. You should have seen the look on my head of staff, the senior pastor of the church. I did it in 16 seconds. <laughs> and I don't like to fly either to think that I would sit in a pressurized silver tube with compression socks as two Pratt & Whitney engines keep me 30,000 feet over a very cold Atlantic does not give me much, I don't know, I just don't feel at peace about that. <laughs> Yet I fly everywhere. And I speak everywhere. And I often ask God, why did you choose me? But I bet the disciples were asking that. Why had God picked them? Well, who were they? Who were these disciples called to be? If, if God was accepting, Jesus was accepting of the characteristics, the flaws, the brokenness, the weak traits of these disciples. Who did he want him to be? Short answer, pretty simple, a witness. They were designed or, or crafted to establish the truthfulness of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ by testifying about him. Now, if you are uh, going to testify or if you're going to be a witness, Two requirements. You must have seen or heard something. And then you must be willing to tell others what you have seen or heard. Now for three and a half years, these disciples lived intimately with Jesus. But now as a result of this power of the Holy Spirit coming upon them, these disciples will be witnesses. And it's obvious from other biblical texts that these disciples didn't get it fully about who Jesus was, depending upon which gospel you read. Some of them never do understand who Jesus was. Furthermore, they weren't eloquent. We know that. They were not convincing, clever, persuasive, or articulate. But these are the very people God designs with the intent of sharing the good news to all of humanity. Two-thirds of the world today is Christian. Some of the great evangelists of the world, Dwight Moody of the 1800s, had a fifth grade education. And he witnessed to more than 100 million people in his life what he found and what the disciples discovered was that they had good news to share. They had witnessed it, and they were going to share it. I saw something of this the other day when a young woman came into a large group setting, not this big, but a large group setting, and she was walking around with her finger in the air, the ring finger. And I knew right away 
what was happening, she was waving this finger around that had a ring on it for the very first time. I didn't have to beg her to show me. There was something inside of her that was compelling her to take the initiative. She had found her mate. She was in love with the man, and she had to tell the world about it. That's the kind of dynamic that Luke is after in writing this book, and he wants us to realize it. The result of the infusion of of the Holy Spirit in our life, which came to us in our baptisms, So we're going to be followers, witnesses. Every Christian, I think, is called to be this witness. We do it in a variety of ways, but we're called to be tellers of something we've seen or heard. But what were the disciples actually called to do? This is where it gets kind of messy. It's not, it wasn't easy for them to hear these disciples Jesus said for them to be witnesses, yes, to be witnesses, but to now to do the witness in Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. Well, in the days of Jesus, Jerusalem was where angry crowds were hunting down Christians. This was where Roman officials, the Pharisees, the religious folks too, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, were all after these Christians. They wanted the Jerusalem, the city proper, to be expunged of these folks. In addition now, the disciples say, okay, well, Jesus said, go to to Judea. Well, Judea had already rejected the ministry of Jesus. They didn't want the disciples around. They actually sent them out. Samaria was a land regarded as a wasteland among the Jews. Jews were not to associate with people there. It was off-limits. And the outermost parts of the earth was where the Gentiles lived, and Gentiles were seen as unclean, simply worthless if you were a Jew or even a former Jew. And the disciples had learned these lessons from their parents, their grandparents, their aunts, their uncles, their friends, from personal experience. And now Jesus had told his disciples This is where I'm sending you. This is where you will be the witness among those people groups. It was very difficult for the disciples to hear. But you know, the hardcore reality of today is we've been called to do the same. We are disciples of Jesus here. We are to support and encourage the global witness of the church to be and to say the witness. And this church has had a profound impact upon the world. Not only have you shown up, but you have also sent funds. I've just returned, I don't even count up anymore, but I mean, from nine major trips to 12 countries, the likes of which are Pakistan, Ukraine, China, Ethiopia, those kind of places. And I have four quick examples, and I will be very brief on this, I can promise you, of people that you have supported that are being the witness and doing the witness. I worked alongside, not too long ago, 
Tom as well, partners in Liverpool, England, with Iranian refugees. These Iranians are asylum seekers. They want nothing to do with the country of Iran anymore. They're disenfranchised with Islam. And they're going to any country that will receive them. England is one of those countries that's receiving them. And while they're there, we have some key strategic people in place. Sasan Tavasoli, a pastor named Shapur. And we provide funding for these folks so that the gospel can be presented on one Sunday afternoon service so that you can see the, the amount of or the volume of, of what's happening there. A Sunday afternoon service, I helped baptize 11 Iranian men in one service. I followed up with a Bible study on Tuesday, packed room, seven professions of faith. You see, God is doing something new with Iranian refugees. Strangely, despite the harsh government, Iran, in country now, is the fastest growing church in the world. In a place where it's illegal to be a Christian. And God needs people right now. God's calling his disciples to come to Germany or to Turkey to teach these new believers about the way of Jesus Christ. You can see Jack or Tom or me and join us on any of those trips. They will change your life. Or consider going to the Middle East, to the northern region, the war-torn region of Syria. You'll meet a pastor, I promise you, by the name of Ibrahim Nasir. He and his wife and three children pastor the church there in Aleppo. Unfortunately, six years ago, the whole church was destroyed. Seventy percent of the city was as well. The United Nations declared it as the worst humanitarian crisis since the Rwandan genocide of 1994. But it is here that Pastor Ibrahim, whom you have supported, and his family reside. What do they do? It's not rocket science. They give water to a thirsty person. They give food to somebody who's hungry. They, they find housing for somebody whose home has been destroyed. And they provide worship services to the faithful remnant that has stayed there. Ibrahim is testifying. And so are you. About what we have seen or heard. Or let me introduce you to John Jock in Ethiopia. John Jock is a South Sudanese refugee, okay? He left Sudan in 2013 with the Civil War. 352,000 people are in six UN refugee camps in Ethiopia. John Jock is a Presbyterian pastor and he's established 178 Presbyterian churches in the camps. He runs Bible studies all day long and trauma healing classes. He said, Mark, can you send us some Bibles in the New Air language of the people? And I said, sure. Jack was one of the people that I talked with. And we sent 20,000 Bibles to the camps in Ethiopia. And you know what? 
Six months ago, they ran out. I sent 2,000 more, and they're gone. Finally, last month, I returned from China. The United States and China are at an all-time low in their diplomatic relations. Ironically, Outreach Foundation has been asked by the Chinese government to increase our work in the 33 provinces found in China because we have a good relationship with our Chinese brothers and sisters, not only in the church, but also with government officials. Now, it's a difficult it's difficult, and some people are going to be not particularly pleased that we're involved in this work. It will be a, probably a topic at the board meeting tomorrow, to be honest with you. But in order for you to operate in China these days as an NGO, you can't criticize the government. And the government has state-run churches, state-appointed pastors, an authorized message, with no one under the age of 18 being able to attend church. Those are the rules. If you want to work in China, if you have to do the witness and be the witness, then you will follow those rules. I think the Outreach Foundation should be there because that's just the context in which we have to be able to present the gospel right now. But we have people on the ground that are doing phenomenal work, and you're supporting them. I'm thinking of Chris Ben Wang or Matthew Fong. They're being the witness and doing it too. In summary, you know, despite the news that's kind of darkening our soul these days, God's on the move. And it is so much fun to be a part of, to be engaged in kingdom work. And you can be there too. You already are, but even more so if you wish. There's a mission because according to the late, great David Bosch, God loves people. And God has called us. We may be a bit strange, running quickly through a first lesson without taking a breath, we may be broken vessels having gone through all kinds of difficult periods in our life, but God seems to weave all of it together, broken vessels like you and me, to be a witness and do a witness. You see, there's a need to answer the world as to why we call ourselves Christian. Apostle Peter addressed it in this way, and he said, always be prepared to to answer to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is in you. And now to the God who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine. To him be honor and glory this day and always. Amen. We have heard the gospel preached and we can count that God will let it pierce our hearts. People of God, let's stand and affirm our faith together. This is the good news which we have received 
in which we stand and by which we are saved. If we hold it fast, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, and that he appeared first to the women, then to Peter, and to the twelve, and then to many faithful witnesses. We believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus Christ is the first and the last the beginning and the end. He is our Lord and our God.
And now as you go out to be the witness and do the witness, receive God's blessings upon your life. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord be gracious and kind to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor in all the days that God has ordained for you to live on the face of this earth. May God grant you what this world seeks, peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, from this time forth and forevermore. Amen.